The views and opinions expressed on From the Mouths of Madness are that of the panel and not of the Geeks Under the Influence Network or their sponsors. Listeners, beware. Straight for the Mouths of Madness. I'm low down with me as always is. F you honor. What's up, you king loving bitches? King loving bitches. King oh, loving bitches. Oh, yeah. Oh, Hail buddy. to the king, baby. And you know, whenever we got king, we got to hmm. bring Mike Riser on. Hi, guys. Yeah, yearly. It's like <laughs> yearly episode. Yeah, since we started, four years, we had our four year anniversary uh, last month, July. Well, two months ago, July now. Jesus. August. Yeah. No, it was August. It was, it was like August 19th. Yeah, it was when, August. Uh, it, uh, when we did it, chapter two. No, Scary Stories. It Chapter 2 was the second episode. And one of our early ones, I believe, was with Riser. Uh, yeah, because we did a King episode. Yep. And we did uh, the Sid Haig episode. Yes. Was right, he passed right around King's birthday. Damn, that's coming that's up right. too. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So, yeah. Tonight, we're going to be talking all things King in honor of the maestro's fucking birthday. The greatest <laughs> horror writer to ever live. I mean, we've had some great ones, right? We've had, we had Poe. We had, we've had, uh, how am I forgetting his name? The reanimator. HP Lovecraft. HP Lovecraft. Damn it, I was going to let him struggle for He's a second. He's going to let me struggle. <laughs> yeah, I was going to let him sweat. Like, like, how am I forgetting Lovecraft? Amazing author, but like King is just... Like, I don't think there will ever be another author, author that is as influential in a genre period as King was. Yeah. As King is to horror. And he's still writing horror, but I'm, I, I say was because it was his like first 30 years that just like set a standard. Yes. But no, no one was doing. The only one that the comes ma- close is Joe Hill. Joe the Hill ma- writes some good shit. The magic of King is, is that, yeah, it is horror, but he also has those not horror that, you know, have also been just as strong. Like, you, mean, you mean the Tommy Knockers? Well, I was more talking about like <laughs> fucking like short stories like Stand By Me, or like, or like, like The Body. Or like Bag like of that. Bones? You mean yeah. like Bag of Bones? I'm just saying you like- mean his like late 90s, early 2000s, like esoteric, ethereal- spooky spiritual ghost fucking internal reflection books yeah yeah <laughs> i mean he did have that was hey i would posit he had to walk through that wilderness to write his finest work lisey's story mm, that's actually not the worst but it's not great i don't know what do you think i love it i personally think that's his strongest hour because it's a great sort of document of his relationship his legacy his thoughts on family and marriage um it's certainly his most literary Oh, okay, I I can see it from that point of view. I, I I whenever I pick up a King book, I'm either coming from a hard fantasy aspect or like a hard horror aspect. Yeah, it is and, not those things at all. And, and doesn't I don't mean hard like it's got to be violent, but you know just those elements are like it's soaked in those elements, mm-hmm. right? And he's really good at both of those. So maybe that's why you you know you, way you describe it, it's almost like a different version of on writing. Yeah, <laughs> kind it of. absolutely <laughs> is. By the way, I. There should be a documentary coming out pretty soon, and an actual legit Stephen King documentary. Uh, I think done by the guy that did the Tom Savini one. That should be coming oh, out. Oh, the streaming. guy who did Smoke and Mirrors. Yeah, no shit. I believe so. Oh, yeah. But because if you look up Stephen King documentaries, they're kind of basic. This one is supposed to be full in depth. From like nothing will ever beat the time I got to go to DC and see him on his re- book tour for Revival, and it was like a two hour Q and A. Was fucking King. that was amazing. Me and Ali and I went. Yeah, that was like that was like a highlight of my life. Just being able to be in the same room as Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. I love you, sir. I love you, dude. Ah! Yeah. Anyway, all right. So as you know, we've been uh, what we just what we've been doing in the last couple episodes is we've been chronologically going through his collection of stories, 
and talking about the, 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 the collections themselves, the history, and then also talking about the adaptations. We all know, and it's not argue, you can't argue it, that the greatest collection was Night Shift, and of course that's yeah. the first one. So it's already been done. I could talk about Night Shift over and over and over again, but you guys probably don't want to hear that. So uh, On to the, another. On to another, and it's also the most heavily adapted, you know, as a reason. And uh, next, the one we did last year was uh, Different Seasons, which has really good ones. Stand By Me, Shawshank. Shawshank, yeah. Again, the literary <laughs> the one. The literary one. Uh, yep. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's not necessarily genre fiction at all. Some of them aren't even horror, but it is very literary. I will say, though, there's still a horror element to both. Oh, absolutely. Like it's... Stand By Me and Shawshank. And um, I guess if I'm going from that aspect, I guess there is some... Some of those aspects in Lizzie's story. Yeah. I need to reread that. Yeah. Because I, I read it when it came out, which was 15 years ago, mm -hmm. 16 years ago. I've aged some. Maybe I need to, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe I need to reread that. Yeah. It is not a book for young people at yeah. all. Yeah. Cool. I'll, I'll have to check that, recheck that out. So tonight we, we are up to Skeleton Crew, which is probably my second favorite collection of short stories, even though it does have some stinkers, but the good ones are like fucking fire. Yeah. yeah. Like- they are on point. I actually had a treat where one time I, I was taking a trip up to Philly and found it on um, book on uh, like audiobook of that. So got to hear several of them through just driving up, and that's how I read the whole entire book. But I've read, I've heard a lot of the stories just from that car drive. Who, uh, who was the was each story a different yeah. reader? So it felt like you're reading a Stephen King version of World War Z. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's specifically, the... I remember listening to the raft and. Uh, damn one of the other ones but the, the raft is where i i'll be honest it wasn't until that point i realized that it was covered and that that's not just an original thing from creep show too mm -hmm. from well in the credits creep show too it does say stories by Steve, written by stephen king yeah yeah mm -hmm. so all three of them were written but only two two of them were written for the, the it's either they were written for the movie or they were ones he hadn't published yet but they were ones that he, he released in a because you know he released so much in magazines through yeah. college and uh, late high school that you lose track of that shit I mean, the man's been releasing stuff since, like, 67. Yeah, and I think that's part of why this one is thematically a little bit more disjointed than uh, Night Shift. Uh, Night Shift, obviously, they're all very taut horror stories for the most part. These are more interesting and spread out over his career and written for different things. Uh, yeah. Weird tales and science fiction journals and things like that. There's even one that he wrote as, I believe, a teenager that, like, mm -hmm. opens the collection after the novella. Yeah, that was the, uh, that, yeah, yeah, um, I forget what that one's called, but so th this book came out in 1985, but it spans 17 years <clears throat> of writing. So it's got 18 short stories, two novellas, and then it's got those couple poems. You wrote that one yes. for his son, Owen, Owen and yep. I forget what the other one is. So it's, it's definitely a very broad, it's broad. Night Shift was very, like you said, tight and concise. This shit's going to fucking scare you. <laughs> and yep. that was every, that was every story. This, yeah, he definitely does spread his wings a little bit. This right. one's a grab bag. There yeah. is definitely like bag. 50s style science fiction, Lovecraftian horror, and then of course the stuff he does really, really well, The Mist. Yeah, yeah, all oh, The Mist. Oh, The Mist. Oh, so that leads to uh, something I wanted to bring up. It takes place in Bridgeton, Maine, right? Which is the town in Song of Susanna and the Dark Tower. So that's those, two, those last two books of the Dark Tower series. So they share the same town. And uh, Song of Susanna, doesn't it reference the pharmacy? I believe, I believe so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that they go to with the spiders. Mm -hmm. That oh, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Um, and also, 
if you're a King fan and you're into King lore, you already know that the government experiment just opened up a thinny. Yep. That's so That's it. for Hunter, a thinny is a bear is a very thin barrier between worlds that King uses that goes into other realities. Yeah. Yeah. So like clearly that's where that happened. Oopsie. Now, something I was reading um, a couple weeks ago was that the monsters that came out weren't from another world, but they existed in a dark place between worlds that was controlled by the King Crimson King. Mm-hmm. Like, he controls all those creatures. That's why they're so fucking evil. So that was a cool theory. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, but that would make sense. They're from the, uh, the dark space. What, uh, Todash. Yeah. Todash. That was, that's all Dark Tower nerd shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it would make sense. There is a lobster monstrosity that gets one of the main characters. That is true. In a very similar way to what it does to Roland real early in the Dark Tower. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a good point. Shit, yeah. So that's a really that's the that's the closest direct tie-in. And um there's the man who would not shake hands. He actually revisits the club that's the club from the breathing method, which we talked about in our different mm-hmm. seasons episode. That the one that hasn't been re- hasn't had an adaptation yet. I guess We'd mentioned last year it was still in the works, yeah. but I don't know where the fuck it is. It must be in production hell. I don't know. And also, that club, I believe, is the club at the end of Six that is the portal into the, uh, fuck, what's the name of the world in Dark Tower? What's the name of that world? Territories? Yeah. <laughs> I'm brain farting. Is, <laughs> yeah, uh... is, it, is it the Territories? Yeah. Right, yeah. The ter- no, Territories is Talisman. Anyway, there the, at the end of the Six book, there is a club that's got a bunch of low men in it. Mm-hmm. And so you could even say maybe some of the men in the in the breathing method that were at that club were low men. Yeah, you could even go there. And I think that same club was used in Hearts and Atlantis because there is low men in Hearts and Atlantis. There definitely are. So um, that's kind of like some cool connections to Dark Tower. I, I've always I always enjoy putting those out because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know that literally his whole universe is basically built around the Dark Tower. Yeah. <laughs> But he also borrows from somebody else's universe in this collection too, and that would be H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, yeah. The way, yeah, the, the, some of those monster descriptions are. There's definitely some Cthulhu going on yeah, there. Yeah, Cthulhu is inspired, but Grandma is literally part of Lovecraft's world, including his mythos and uh, the creations in it. Is it? Go, yep. in, go into that. Yeah. So essentially, uh, the story involves a uh, small child who has to look after his aging grandmother, mm-hmm. uh, and the grandma scares him. Pretty normal situation. But it turns out she's got a dark history as a witch who practiced witchcraft, and it's strongly implied that she found some sort of Necronomicon or other sort of forbidden books and uh, has a connection to an elder god that has given her a lot of power. Uh, And the uh, Twilight Zone adaptation is even more explicit with it. Cthulhu gets mentioned by name. Uh, The sleeping ones get mentioned by name. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was it's an HP Lovecraft story. Like I remember the grandmother's possess- like she's dying, but then she opens her eyes like they're, they're evil eyes. Yeah, and, like that's really all I remember from the story. Oh, the, in the Twilight Zone episode, like they make her hands like like mm-hmm. monstrous, like they're still human, but bigger and cl- like there's almost like the claws. claws. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, nice. So going into adaptations, Grandma was uh, first adapted in 1985, season one, episode 18 of the Twilight Zone when they try to bring it back. It didn't do as well as the original, but <laughs> it's an attempt. It's because of the movie. Yeah, the movie came out, and they're like, "Oh wait, people love Twilight Zone. Let's bring this back." Yeah. The funny thing is that when you watch some of these, like that and Tales from the Dark Side, you'll you'll like start recognizing actors. Oh yeah. And, like this was like 100%. the jumping off point because yeah. even the kid and uh, Grandma, like he's been in other stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I can't pinpoint, but I've recognized him from other stuff in the '80s. So he did the Twilight Zone, and then he did some other stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that Twilight Zone reboot had a fascinating writing history on it. There was a regular staff of writers, and then there was science fiction legend and all-around cantankerous bastard Harlan, Harlan Ellison. Ellison. Yep. As and, soon as you said that, I was yeah, like, yeah. He wrote the adaptation for that in a sort of good cop, bad cop thing. Uh the show had gone all in on optioning a Stephen King story for a lot of money. The writers were given it uh, and realized it's incredibly difficult to adapt because this is Stephen King with no action whatsoever. It's a young boy who cares for his grandma who's dying and meditates on the family's history and what it might mean for his future. How do you turn that into a story? And Harlan Ellison walked in and told the writers that they weren't worthwhile and they need to figure something out and they'll get it done. And in response, they go, all right, it's your assignment now. <laughs> Write the episode. And what he did was he just made, he did. made him narr narrate. The kid yep. just narrates. Let like, him narrate. Yeah. Just oh, everything shit. that's going on. Yeah. He's like, you know, mom says I've got to do this. And like, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yep. Yeah, that's one of the adaptations I didn't get a chance to watch because I didn't look for the Twilight Zone episode. And Grandma has actually been adapted twice. It was also loosely adapted into a 2014 film called Mercy, which Chandler Riggs was in. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I know that much. Yep. <laughs> and uh, you guys happened to watch that, so. I unfortunately didn't, but. Oh. Did. oh. I made it all the way through, through from sheer force of will. See, uh, see that's, yeah, we did Children <laughs> of the Corn. You, you can watch that piece of shit, all right? Yeah. I couldn't do that many in one week, all right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Basically, anything is uh, a better use of your time than watching this. <laughs> absolute disaster of an adaptation uh nothing gels in it is completely less than the sum of all of its parts so we can start with the good the setup is great the boy has to care for a very creepy grandma who was like when she before she went senile was super creepy and made him do weird things it's in an isolated house in the middle of nowhere the setting is just fantastic and then you bring in all these american horror story actors and other horror actors to play various family members all of whom have a sort of secret hidden agenda and then it immediately goes off the rails because none of it begins to make sense there's no compelling oh. through line there's no real antagonist and it all ties up into a pointless happy ending so they basically took a whole season of american horror story and crammed into a 90 yeah. minute movie yeah it was the whole sort <laughs> of like throw spaghetti at the wall and we'll see what yeah. sticks every fucking season of american horror story dude and i'm like oh this is great great oh what the fuck oh yeah. no no oh fuck you yeah once you get past the, like the third episode they're I think like, a little further than that but, I, but that's they no, can no. never bring it home no they can never After bring the it home third episodes where you're like you can start picking up that they're kind of struggling and then you get to about the six or seven episode where you're they're just like we don't know the fuck we're doing anymore. and i'm not gonna watch you when you come back from break sorry yeah <laughs> like, yep. but uh that's good to know i don't yeah. want to watch that it's, it's all the more disastrous because it's like a, it was an early Blumhouse production. And then, of course, it has good, competent filmmaking. Like you can tell everyone who worked on this project knew what they were doing. It's just a mess by the end of it. It no. never goes anywhere. When you have something that's completely communicated in an episode of an 80s Twilight Zone. Yeah. And you stretch it out to a movie. I feel like uh, it is. It's a, not it's a every short story maybe needs to be stretched out. No, and that's the challenge of it, because the, as Harlan Ellison pointed out, the story has no action whatsoever. Uh, they're just there aren't there's not really conflict. It's sort of an exploration. And it works in the context of a Stephen King weird fiction H.P. Lovecraft universe thing. Uh, it's got that interiority that just doesn't translate off the page. So Twilight Zone's a masterful stab at it. But Mercy is just so unpleasant <laughs> to watch. The, the greatest mercy you can do yourself is to not watch the movie. Uh, that, and that, I'm doing that for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally looking out for me. I'm going to take a me day and not watch Mercy. <laughs> Mark's safe from watching Mercy yet again. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, let's keep moving along with some of the TV adaptations. Uh, we we struggled and went through the depths of the internet, almost to, almost into black web territory to find and be able to talk to you about Word Processor of the Gods. The uh, adapted in 1984, it's season one, episode nine of Tales from the Dark Side. Now, you young guy, you young listeners, you, you don't know what you're missing in the in the 80, in the 80s. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, man. Like we had awesome anthology horror shows growing yeah, up, yep. and that was one of them. And they, for some reason, just like Tales from the Crypt, we have not gotten a Blu-ray or 4K release of this shit, and it's it's like infuriating. Yeah, it's yeah. it's just they won't remaster these things. I don't know if it's just with... like it's eighties and early nineties. Go fuck yourself. Like, yeah, just give us what we want, dude. What? Everyone our age will buy that shit, especially yeah. put it in a nice little box. Like, oh, yes, give me, yeah, <laughs> like give me, give me, and like plus just commentary thing. Like with these things, it's like there's all these people that like you're amazed were involved with these things, yeah, and yet they just ignore no commentary, no cleanup of these things. Everything's just kind of like, yeah, whatever. It was the '80s. It was '90s. We don't care. And I know, I think, I think Riser, you and I were were saying that, like, it might be have something to do with like the Romero, like, in, not Institute, but like whatever, whoever's taking care of his right, the rights to all the Romero stuff right now, because that was a Romero show. You know, it was yeah. his show. He produced it. He started it to give new, new horror and like writers and directors a place to do shit. So it's just weird that mm, they would want to not. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, he was—he wanted to be a prick and not let anybody see it. And yeah, remastered. So and you, you think like there's like I see people post shit about the movie all the time. So you think mm-hmm. they would recognize that there was a show before a movie? Dude, the movie? <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, Early Steve Buscemi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, young Christian Slater. Uh, word processor of the gods. That's pretty. It was pretty much a straightforward adaptation. It was solid. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it and thought it was completely charming. Uh, this is. Stephen King at some of his finest writing. It's akin to some of the other stuff he does, the classic monkey's paw setup. Mm-hmm. Think Pet yeah. Cemetery and a human who has to make a very difficult choice about their dreams coming true, but at what cost? Um, however, this one has an absolutely amazing twist to it that I didn't see coming when reading the story or watching the adaptation, and that is that it ends on a sweet, upbeat note, which yeah. is incredibly rare for, King, for Stephen yeah. King of this age. Because you're waiting era. for it to be twisted. Yeah. Like, and for the shooting to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, you guys got to think, all these stories, these are like pre-it and pre, you know, the, yeah, is it pre-the stand? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pre the stand, yeah. So he's like still kind of coming into that sweet spot of like the top king, right? But, yeah. but we, it's king, so we never trust. Like, you mean a actual happy? Ending? That's what I'm like, saying. Like, yeah. We're just like, I can't trust a happy ending. What's gonna happen? Oh no! All right. And what's funny is, is the the that episode, the person that plays the main character in it. Mm-hmm. Oh fuck! Ah, uh, what's that actor's name? Senator Kelly from X Men movies. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. <laughs> People like this Gene Gray. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I forget the actor's name. Like, he's been in so much shit. Davidson, I think, or something. I'm brain farting. Yeah. Yeah. But that remember. was random because that's the youngest I've ever seen him. I'm yeah, just so used yeah. to him as Senator Kelly. Yeah. So but that was, that, it's, it's a solid, it was a solid adaptation. Um, Man, see, if we had more anthology series coming out, we could get more of that. Oh, wait. Wait a minute. There was a new anthology series that we got from Shudder and Greg Nicotero. Oh, oh, uh, Creep Show! Yeah, yeah, Creep Show. So, for everybody who's been watching Creep Show, because I know was, when I saw the trailers for it coming out on Shutter, I was like, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> um, you've got the very first uh, little off- offshoot uh, special they did it was the animated special. You got two short stories, 
Second one, yeah, okay. the second short story, it's it's okay. Before we get into the the King adaptation, the second story, the only reason I know they're similar, where it's just narration by one person. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it's done by a teen who's tweeting, I wanted to punch uh, my TV. Yeah. Well, it's a Joe Hill story for the modern age. I don't give a fuck. It still is <laughs> headache inducing. I don't give a Like, the yeah. story is cool. The concept is awesome. Yeah. But it's. That shit is so cringy, dude. And it's a dismal adaptation of his writing, too, because there's a lot more dread going on in the background in the Joe Hill story that doesn't translate to that medium of What's... animated with narration over it. So it, it so that one still has reference to King. I mean, yep. if it wasn't for King, we wouldn't have Joe Hill. So <laughs> that is true. That is know, literally scientifically true. correct. That how that works. <laughs> um, but I, first off, I didn't know that was. I didn't look. I didn't pay attention to the credits. I did not know that was a Joe Hill story. Yep. And I did buy recently buy a collection of his short stories. Now I'm wondering if it's in that one. It's an early one of his. It's an earlier collection of his short stories. Yeah, it's in the later collection. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the first segment of the animated series, we get survivor type. Now, <laughs> King himself has said, you know, oh man, when I really get into the, the grisly dark stories, that's where that's, I really love those. But even uh, survivor type was too much for me. Yeah. It's a straight quote from him. <laughs> like, because it's it fucked. It makes you a little nauseous. It's yeah. fucked, dude. Like, so, you know, basic premise, plane go, dudes on a plane doing some shady drug shit, smuggling. Plane goes down, ship goes down, cruise ship. Yeah. It's a cruise yeah. ship. Sorry, it's a cruise ship. Cruise ship goes, he's basically smuggling drugs somewhere from somewhere to somewhere. And he's a doctor, like, but his whole life's been shady. Yeah, it's an engaging setup. It's basically yeah. like Goodfellas meets, you know, the Donner Party. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, because yeah. well, he talks about, even as a kid, he hired some uh, his, some people to beat the shit out of guys and deliver yeah. his teeth. And then he finally becomes a doctor. Yeah. It's like, and then I started selling pills to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's classic well, prescription Hill. prescription yeah. pad. Yeah, yeah. And he was just like, hey, you know, got to protect the hands. The whole time he's protect the hands. So basically, you know, the the ship goes down. And he's stranded on this tiny little fucking island, and that's it. It's just yeah, him and a dead seagull for <laughs> and a dead bitch and a dead bitch. <laughs> yeah, to the side. I think he called her Susan or Sally. Yeah, she's an invention for the show, which makes it yeah. even grosser on the show. Yeah, it makes it way grosser on the show because he he thinks about eating her at yeah. one point. Because so, in the Stephen King story, all he's got is enough water to stay alive, uh, some first aid medical supplies, and uh, all of the heroin in New York. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I will say, King was smart. That This story would not have worked if, it, if he wasn't a doctor. Yeah. Because he knew how to cut and you know seal and tie off wounds and shit. If it wasn't a doctor, it, it, he would have been dead after the first after he cut off his first. So he foot. knows how many cuts to get his foot off. Which, yeah. God damn it. Oh yeah. You, like you know that? what? It was he, animating. It was he still got fucked high up. as fuck before he did it. He's yeah, like, yeah. all right. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're gonna if you have to cut was, your foot off, the whole heroin thing was a great idea at the beginning. Yeah. That's part of also what led to his insanity. <laughs> at the end it was not only starvation and dehydration, but lots of heroin. Yep. Like, <laughs> he starts eating that fucking bird. Ugh. So for those, I, I I highly recommend this one. It's pretty much you said outside of the they added the the dead body. It was mm-hmm. pretty much beat for beat the backstory. It's literally two voices, and it's fucking Kiefer Sutherland. I was about yeah. to say, like, it's fucking. And if you're awesome. gonna do one, you know, someone that has his imprint a voice, on man. a King property. Oh yeah, yeah. Fucking Kiefer Sutherland. Fucking Ace Merrill, baby. Yeah. And the, fucking the King Ace voice comes through so strong because some of the prose is just included line for line. It's mm-hmm. all voiceover. The Stephen King one is written as a series of journal entries from mm-hmm. our protagonist, and this just reads exactly the same way. Basically, the only thing that's cleaned up are like the various ethnic slurs that Stephen King used yeah. in the day, I yeah. guess, to give the yeah. person three-dimensional realism back then. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, 
that, that we could we could briefly talk about that, dude. A lot of King's early stuff. If if you guys are are not familiar with a lot of his early works, like yeah, there's there's some stuff that might make the, the younger generation angry. Yeah, yeah. It's a, <laughs> that's the way of putting it. It's a fifty year old sensibility in a lot of he's ways. He's not worried about like yeah. yeah. I mean, but he, also King's not like that. But he's also going to write. For his time he, and, the, gonna, and the way that he believes yeah. the character is, and Survivor know? type's character is a rat, an absolute scumbag weasel who doesn't hesitate to throw other people under the bus to save his own skin, and despite being accomplished enough as a surgeon, still feels the need to get one over on the man and do shitty things. Hundred percent, and you basically just get this—the whole experience of him slowly starving, you know, he having to resort to eating seagulls, and then oh wait, he he goes to. Signal a plane and Hunter's favorite thing we get even animated. Yeah, that was that that Fuck, that foot break uh, nope, was nope, better nope, than the eyeball nope. scene in the Children of the Corn remake. Yeah, well, obviously it's animated. It but... was animated, but then Fuck that. I and I love I love that how he's just like I oh gotta take care of this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> some heroin. There's just something about even though it's animated, just like everything is just kind of well. It's, it's how and they, if you notice they switch how he looks depending on the perspective that they're drawing him from like dead on he looks like a fucking zombie yeah but you know what i mean but if you get it from like a low view or a side view he still has like some meat on his face you know what i mean like yeah. it's depending on how they shoot at the, the the angle they give you depends on how fucked up he looks and the problem was when he cut it off he was like well i guess i cut my other one off it's meat yeah mm, sweet meat <laughs> it's like he's starving yeah, and it's a nice translation of what King accomplishes very, very well in the short story, the literary technique of watching the man's sanity fray in real time. It goes from absolutely beautiful, flowing, memoiristic-type prose into incomplete sentences, fragments, jarring images mashed up against into each just other. Lines. And then into just random lines. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And I love how they incorporated the diary and you, in, in showing you that towards the yep. end of the, of the segment, that he's literally just gibberish. Yep. You know, and they literally ended the segment the same way the book ended. Mm -hmm. mm, lady, lady fingers. fingers. <laughs> <laughs> because he he, he, he so, eats his own fingers. Yeah, he eats his own fingers. He basically goes from foot to foot to below the knee, below the knee, to above the knee, above the knee, to right below the, the, the crotch on ears. both and the ears and his nose. Nose, yep. And then he has to dig in. He want, and so the big difference is in the end of the book, he had uh, cut off one of his hands and mm -hmm. was eating him and was eating it cut off. Where in the show, he still had both his hands. He was just eating it on his body. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> God, it was so fucked up. Man, that, I mean, it was one of those, it was so short. You know, it's like 25 minutes. But afterwards, you're like, oh. I don't even fuck. think it's 25 minutes, man. I like, think what it's, the fuck it's, did I just. I oh, think it's only like 12 or 15, but like. It's two it, segments. Oh, that's right. Well, yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying, it, because of the environment that, and everything, like every second is like. But I can and I and I know Roger can as well. Between reading it and watching it, it is one of the most anxiety-inducing things that King has written. Yeah, yeah. Like honestly, I, like it, I oh. wanted to rewatch it, and Charlotte was came in. And she goes, "I don't need to see this one again." <laughs> it's like, fucked up, she dude. Turned, she turned around and walked out. She's like, "I've seen this once. I don't yeah. need to see it again." It's like, fucked up, and it's not because it's shitty. It just kind of fucks with you. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It just fucks with you, man. Because, like, yep. Matt, because you, you, you literally the way they do it, and you just, you, like I said, it's two voices. Amazing. This character, and then you just get like still image flashbacks, right? And so you're just with this character, and it, it, it's done so well in the book and in the and in the se in the animated segment where you're like putting yourself in his position, and you're like, oh, would I do that? 
And then, 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 and then once you're there and you're like trying to get into the mind of the guy, then you're just there the rest of the ride, man. Only thing I wish they had done is when he does his flashback, explain his childhood, it's just sort of little Rolling Stones. So we had that complete Henry King, Hill, yeah, Hill Goodfellas, yeah. like, you yeah. know, even at the age of well, blah, also blah. King. Yeah. I mean, King loves his old rock yeah. and roll, Right, man. but I'm just saying, like, you could have just completely had an animated Henry yeah. Hill, Goodfellas, just put a little Rolling Stones in the background. Yeah, yeah, Kiefer Sutherland did his best to get the accent yeah. at times. Like, I will give him that. He didn't have the accent all the time. No, it comes and goes. <laughs> it comes and goes. <laughs> it's Kiefer Sutherland, though. He has such a distinctive voice anyway. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 like, listening... I didn't notice it in the intro credits, and I'm listening to it. I'm like, man, I know that fucker's voice. And he said something a certain way. And I've watched so many, I've re- watched and rewatched so many Kiefer and Donald Sutherland films. Like, you know, you know, I knew that voice, and it just took the one phrase said the right way. I'm like, oh, that's fuck it. Then I looked it up when I thought I had it. I'm like, ah, oh, it is Kiefer Sutherland. I'll freely admit, yeah. I, I was a hardcore 24 person for a while. So, yeah, yeah it's yeah. very Jack Bauer. Yeah, very Jack Bauer. <laughs> Jack Bauer doing heroin. Oh, oh, shit. Which I think, I think uh, he actually did it for the seasons. <laughs> <Yeah>. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> yep. So, definitely highly recommend it. If you have Shudder, um, go back. It came out in 2019. It was right between season one and season two, I think. It was the first yeah, one off. They did another one off after season two, but. And I think it says, does it say like special or animated it special? It says Creep Show animated special. Yeah, because there's the. It's Hall- what they did for Halloween that year. Yeah, because then yeah. there's the Christmas one that followed that, right? Yeah, and that's yeah. a live action. Yeah. Yeah. I, I dig the animated thing, man. They need to keep doing that yeah, shit. It worked. It cost them less. Mm-hmm. It was two voice actors. I mean, yes, yeah, keep rolling out with that. That would be fun. Uh, we're going to get into one of Hunter's favorite. Little 1987 ad- adaptations came out in Creep Show 2, second segment. We're talking about the fucking raft. That's right. By far my favorite one. I I own a fucking like Blu-ray collector's edition of Creep Show 2. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the first story. I enjoy the th- the third one, but it's mainly for the fucking raft. That is one of the best. I, I do fucking, enjoy all three, but I do all. But dude, hands down, the effects, just the pacing, everything. The environment that the raft is is top notch. Like it's crazy because how much people shit on Creep Show too. No, it's it's it's. Is it one? No, but yeah, it's exactly. Good. It's good. But, I mean, I think the first two seg, the first segment, the last segment, that's kind of like okay. But the raft, I think, puts it top notch. I don't know. I mean, I love I love the raft, but I will say that like I mean that especially that third one. That one's fucked up, dude. Can I get a ride, dude? The makeup on that shit's fucked up, man. Yeah, like it. It. I, I just, I, I don't I sleep on. Don't sleep when on you that. You literally <laughs> have like the first victim of the raft, and like she comes out, and you just see and twice. You know, she comes out twice, yeah, and you see her skin just melting and being eaten, mm-hmm. and like there's it just gets in your fucking head. And then the yeah. other the dude when he gets pulled, and you see his leg. Oh, I'm sure you love that. Forehead. I'm sure you love that. Yeah. He gets pulled, and you're like, that hurts. That Because you can tell it's like starting to suck, and then it pulls him, and his head fucking foot touches his forehead yeah. in a way that it shouldn't happen. So, like, they, uh, the way they do that, it's like, very enunciated like he's 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 kind of being held there with his leg and his other legs being pulled down and then all of a sudden it's like a loud like crunch uh, yeah <laughs> yes like, oh, yes fuck you yes oh the hips shouldn't go that way <laughs> but it's pretty much shot for shot of the story yeah i was about to say it's a great translation of it and i have conflicting feelings about it because yes the stephen king story executes the violence incredibly well and uh the film's practical effects are just fantastic the goop of melting people and stuff 
But at the end of the day, this is possibly one of the dumbest Stephen King premises for a <laughs> yeah. story. Yeah. And basically gives that family guy joke its meaning of like, you know, what's what do you got for us next, Stephen King? Oh, it's a haunted lamp that has to fight a haunted stapler. It's <laughs> yeah. like, you're out of ideas, aren't you? Yeah. Yes. yes. Uh, yes so the story involves a group of kids who swim out to a raft on a lake and they get menaced by... An oil slick that mm-hmm. is somehow sentient and defies the laws of physics. Yes, it is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it it's is ridiculous. Absurd. <laughs> it's, and, and actually having that high quality like Blu-ray because I have the aerial video release of that's it. That's the one I okay. have. Yeah, it does not do that slick any justice. It looked. Like, I was like, no. as a kid, I'm like, oh man, but that's creepy. It does have... As an adult, it's like, oh, that's a fucking tarp. <laughs> oh, before it eats anybody, it, it's just black trash bags <laughs> it's a, it's a... with balloons underneath. All right, that's all it is. It's just like, but the practical effects when he's eating the, the, but when the it, thing but is when eating, it captures oh, yeah. him, that's when you're like, oh shit. Except for the yeah. last shot when it jumps on top was, of him. Oh god, the yeah, title oh, god. and that I feel like why didn't we have where you just see his arm like after it happens and. Like just swallowing his hand, or instead something he like lo- that. instead it looks like a snake going back into the water where it's got it just ate its mouse, you know, like yeah. its belly's full. Like, but I, I will say, you also kind of you know have the part where you know there's this kind of rapey part right before the finale, kind of? where <laughs> yeah, I, I in, in the book, and I it's remember rape, and I remember <laughs> when I realized this was a King short story because as I'm listening to it on the audiobook, and there is details of as he caresses her nipples, I was like. Oh, so this was also in the short story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Dude. It's in the short story, King, but it's not as egregious in the short story. Yeah. Which is surprising because yeah. King, King is known that for that shit. Yeah. Especially yeah. when he has like a, a gangbang of little kids and it. Like yeah. he's not he's no he's not shy to sex. But <laughs> in his books. I just I, I thought that maybe that had been adapted to make our main character, quote quote, was supposed to be a survivor, kind of the, you know, more of an asshole in this he's one. He's not the good guy you think he is. And he's not the good guy you think he is, where he's like, well, one girlfriend. I will say in the adaptation, she had I nice could. titties and a nice body. Yes. I'll give her that. Now, and it's a weird how was that battery? How was the battery not dead and still playing the radio the next morning? <laughs> I thought about they that. They still it make cars like the they night. used to, man. That's There's, how it is. No, no, <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> It's not possible. Admittedly, Creepshow has a short window to work with, but it does miss some of the more survival-oriented elements of the Stephen King thing. Uh, In Stephen King's world, that lake is just outside of Pittsburgh in October, and dying in the water or dying in the air overnight is a real risk. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which isn't present in the raft because it's beautiful and lovely, and we have that incoherent line of no, they the say water's it's forty-five degrees; it'll yeah. kill you. And yeah, it does not appear to be that way. Yeah, yeah. But you that's, do get that element of like when they're on the raft. I mean, like it start they start to. Oh yeah, they should. Fucking they actually do a good shit. job of like doing yeah. the shivering, yeah, shivering and all that and, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. there was that part of it where maybe he was just like, "Well, we got to figure out a way to stay warm," and well, I guess maybe titty touching and make Ooh. it from there. Hey, sex but, keeps you warm. But I will say, with the adaptation, another thing I do like is that she's kind of like moaning, and you're like, okay, and then you realize, oh, that's not moaning, that's, and then she turns. It is moaning, just not from. But then, but then she turns sideways, and it's such a like, we're about to, f- oh fuck, yeah, like, like we're about to fuck too. Oh fuck, you're the yeah, next victim. You're, that's it. There you're you fucked. go. Yeah. yeah. And I guess it does square sort of with the vision of the 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 uh, short story because the narrator in that uh, or our protagonist, I guess does definitely think about, like, kicking his friends off the raft to get a head start to swim ashore. Oh, yeah, yeah. 100%, yeah. yeah. And he uses that to get to shore. Not the dumbass cool, stopped not, at the shore, like, come on, bro, like, Not cool, going. Pancho, not cool, Pancho. <laughs> but that, that, that was 
for the shit show that the story is, they did. It was it, they brought it to screen really well. Mm-hmm. I think it's that. because of practical effects. That's why. Oh I yeah, like it when so it's much. acid and it's just like eating away. You just see chunks of flesh start to disappear. That person, like that was the, rad. Everybody that gets taken in, that has got to be so fucking painful to the last till they're skeletons. I mean, like they're just uh, just excruciating pain. Mm-hmm. Um. So I got okay. That kind of brings us to the the big king swinging dick of the adaptations out of this story, the mist. When in doubt. Get Darabont on your property. Dude, I'm telling you, man. Like, Darabont is just gold, man. Especially with King. Shawshank, Green Mile, fuck off. Like, those are amazing. And <laughs> like, astonishingly enough, this one marks sort of the end of an era for him. It was the last movie he made um, and sort of the last kind of thing like that. I rewatched it with some friends and everybody remarked on, like, how remarkably clear the visual quality of it was, how you can actually hear the movie, which is mm-hmm. a huge problem in the modern age. And just like the pure technical aspects of the filmmaking are just old school Hollywood at its best. 100%. And, you know, it was 07 when this movie came out. And like, I hope those actors in The Walking Dead are still sending him like thank you letters because two of them. He is. They're lucky. He's a guy that likes to brings his friends with him. Well, on I mean, all their yes. properties. The dude who played Dale. I mean, he's had in like almost all of his movies. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And then Carol. Carol. Yeah. Yeah. That actor. I forget her name. The but fuck, yeah. The 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 want want yeah. uh, the mist. She's like, hey, hey guys, hey. we made it. Yeah, I yeah. left. You're yeah. fucking stupid. <laughs> Still one of the most horrific endings God. of the film, dude. That shit. <laughs> and, I'm, and you know, I, I'm glad he went that route, so it wasn't the same as the as the mo- as the book, because the book is just kind of they keep driving. It's hopeful. It's hopeful. hear a radio station yeah. out of Hartford, Connecticut. Frank Darabont's like, fuck your hope. Yep. But what do you <laughs> do you... where in the in the, mo- in the adaptation, like you see these giant Cthulhu-style creatures just walking across. You're like, we- there's nothing we could do. We couldn't beat the small ones. Now Give they're fucking like the size of skyscrapers. The further you go out, the bigger we're they good. are. Yeah. We're fucked. I mean, yeah. Dude. If you can't beat the little ones, you ain't beating the big ones. I will say that is... Probably one of my favorite shots from the film is when they just stop and this fucking thing that's like four times the size of an ATAT crosses yeah. the street. I'm like, what the? <laughs> and fuck And that's is where that? they're like, well, end the line. Yeah, that, that was kind of the convincing thing. Nothing of like, we can do. Yeah. Nothing we can do. I mean, if the spiders <laughs> fuck us up, <laughs> that thing is gonna have a fucking field day with us. Well, that and that's definitely Cthulhu-ish. If you if you pay attention yeah. to the head, the yeah, there's tentacles, tentacles coming yes. out and yeah. And I love how like in the store. A couple times, like larger creatures. So you knew there were larger ones out there. They like because it pulled off. It pulled the dude's legs out of the way. Oh yeah. Um, and something. It, it got something else, but it looked very lobsterish, almost yeah. like it was like a mix of like a, a, a xenomorph and like a lobster. Does that make sense? Because it like I, don't I thought know. It had tentacles. Got... No, I'm talking on the front. Oh, the front okay. through the window. Oh yeah. Remember, it took the guy's legs, the oh, half yeah, of the body. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and it was very, very creepy. So you knew there was some bigger shit. And then the spider scene in the pharmacy. Ooh, buddy. And I'll, I'll repeat this. And this was Darabont's intention. And if you haven't seen this, which most people have, but I had the joy of when Charlotte wanted to watch it for the first time, I said, we're watching the right way. The way Darabont black intended. And white. Black and white. Black and, and white. And it is fucking beautiful in black and white. And actually, the CGI, CGI doesn't look as bad in black and white. I'm no, sorry. That's the only, only fail safe for that movie. You can tell he only, shot sorry, it the with the intention of black and white. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, specifically, that spider scene mm-hmm. in, in there has a whole different look to it. Yeah. When you when you it's look at it creepy. that way. Yeah. But I will say, the black, like again, the black and white helps the horrific 2000 CGI. I'm sorry. The tentacles, there's only they a look... Few, there's only a few moments when the creature gets through the window... That one's rough. 
that when they the break, finally break through, dude, it looks like they you could tell they're not there. That that's bad, but I think when that flying creature breaks through and lands oh, on the floor, yeah, yeah. I wish I didn't see that. Oh, and it's I wish like, you could just cut it's that like out. Like a pterodactyl looking. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's fucking not good. It's not good. But and over, basically enough, that is like King's original vision. He started the story idea with a pterodactyl in the grocery store as he was entertaining his son one one day. I and, think if it had just yeah, crashed that's through, awesome. yeah, that was like I didn't the kernel of yeah. the idea behind the myth. I think Shit. if it had crashed through and just knocks you over, but you have a shot of just seeing it on the ground and getting full. I don't and walking yeah, towards yeah, the boy. Yeah, no, that's where you're no. like, I uh, kind of wish you hadn't shown me that. Yeah, yeah, but I, I will say the spider scene, all that looked pretty fucking solid, dude. Like that shit looked. It, it was because it was dark lit, and yeah. Oh fuck. Because they well they they also incorporated practical effects of all the spiders bursting out. Well, but the spiders bursting out were CGI. That's the only part that failed. Yeah, yeah. the pedigree of the crew on the mist is just unparalleled. Uh, Frank Darabont worked on the shield and directed an episode of it, and he brought uh, an actress from the shield with him as well as their entire camera. Department. Department. Uh, so it uses Where's the actress. Uh, she plays uh, the love interest in the story in the book. Or, um, yeah, can't recall the character's name right now. Oh, the the clerk for the uh, for the military dude, Thomas Jane's uh, counterpart. Oh, oh, counter. Oh, she. You, you only see her at the beginning, and then when she's dead in the movie, yeah, she goes in the car with them, and yeah, hmm? he's talking about. She went on to play uh, what's her name in The Walking Dead. Yeah. Um, God, I'm. Fu- I can't believe I. I blanked on her but yeah the blonde that he meets in the store oh the ex okay okay yeah, yeah. well because remember he thomas james character leaves his wife at the house yes oh yeah. she'll be all right the, n- no. the new the new misses <laughs> in the stephen in king the, novel. yeah yeah I got um, you. the like technically we're not divorced yet but there's a oh webs. yeah she was uh she was a uh, uh it began with a d i hated her fucking character i'm glad when she died finally in season four <laughs> fuck her uh no her character was shit in walking dead yeah, that, yeah, she had the sister that died. Yeah, it's season. like season one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah she was in that. And then uh, there's another. There's another. There's a bunch of actors like the crazy religious lady. She was in a bunch of shit. Marsha Gay Harden. Yeah, she's yeah. a decorated actress. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so this the pedigree for this thing is just incredible. So you've got the Shield crew working behind the scenes to make everything feel very claustrophobic, very fast paced. Lots of up close shots of faces and disjointed camera work and then you've got k and b effects doing a bunch of the practical effects work which is just fantastic mm-hmm. the kill bill folks um mm-hmm. and then of course uh the two dudes he would bring with him to do walking dead uh nicotero and berger mm-hmm. yep nick well, nicotero i mean yeah oh i get to meet him next month yeah <laughs> he's gonna be at monster mania oh Fucking yeah stoked uh and i will say that like the tent like it i love how he they really captured what King did in the book of just how there's always going to be classes and there's always going to be tribes, even when they've only been dealing with this for less than 24 hours and they've already got groups upon groups trying to fight it. Now, there were more in the book than what they showed in the movie, if I remember. There was more, because in the movie they mainly just show the religious zealots, but in the book I thought there was like a few other there's the out-of-towners. There's the out-of-towners. It wasn't just the one guy. It was a whole group of out-of-towners. That's yep. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love how they just show that humanity is doomed to do that shit over and over and over and over again, when no matter what. literally it becomes almost as dangerous inside that store because of yeah. that then outside with the creatures. Where's the real threat? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's a classic theme that Stephen King keeps harping on over and over. Stand under uh, the dome, under the, uh, Sleeping Beauties. Uh, the humans are often more dangerous than whatever the exterior threat is. True. As I always quote Ripley, I don't know who's worse, uh, us or them. You don't see them <laughs> fucking each over for a percentage point. Like yeah, seriously, it'll always be like yeah, 100%. yeah, yeah. Truth. 
But um, and I love you know they. But then you also see the people that are doing the right thing and are trying to lead because you have to have people that have a clear head and are just going into hysterics. Yep. In in any kind of emergency situation, right? And so that's our main characters. <laughs> oh, and Will William Sadler, who from Shawshank, you know. Oh, he lost his fucking mind, and man. And so easily he's turned. But dude, I forgot how powerful his acting was in that though. Yeah. Like when he comes back from the pharmacy, he's losing his shit. Yeah. Like they give a good close up of his face, and I'm like, damn, bro, okay, okay, okay. But it also like, makes him an easy target for like the religious zealots. Yeah. Yep. Well, when you're at your weakest is when they strike. Yep. <laughs> so that's again, they show they show that in the movie, and they, the King does that really well in a lot of novels. So yeah, no, this is an amazing adaptation. Now I have not seen Dick of the Show that came out in 2017. I have watched every single episode, and again, like Mercy, I would urge anyone listening to not waste their time. It's one of those things, there's several shows that are based on properties that you're like, kind of why? I don't know if Scream would be in that same category, but you just kind of, I don't know why they made a Miss show. I don't know why they made a Scream show. There's just certain properties, maybe just don't. Stop making shows. Just don't. Yeah. Again, how about all that effort? We re-release something like Tales from the Dark Side, new shit like that. Instead of wasting shit on Scream and fucking Mist and stuff like that. Give us some original stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. Bring back Masters of Horror. Something. Seriously. Fuck, man. Like now. Oh, we forgot to mention the first opening scene of the Mist. We get Roland. Yeah. I want that fucking painting. Like I don't know where it is. Oh, having Thomas Jane as the poster art, like like artist, like is fucking awesome. Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Like he's the one that's drawing Roland. Oh man. And then like of course when the thinny opens and the storm comes through, it destroys the painting. Like yep. that's brilliant. That was brilliant. I want that fucking painting, though. <laughs> like, I want that shit in my house. <laughs> there's also John Carpenter posters on the wall in there. Oh, yeah, there's yeah, a there thing, is. The thing yeah. poster, yep. yep. Shit, yeah. The OG, I Hope believe. that wasn't a trivia question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, the original, it's just the, it's just the image, not the title. Yep. It's just the, yeah, it's fucking, God, that movie's so good. God. Yeah, it's Which a fantastic actually, movie. Urge you to watch it. And there's actually a documentary on um, some of those artists from the 70s and 80s that did the painted movie style, the movie posters. It's actually really cool to watch. I think, it, honestly, I think it was on Tubi or something. Tubi's got a lot of documentaries. But I, you, you forget, and like people talk about how like you get to all these badass painted style movie posters, and they get to the lazy mid-90s where they're like, two heads, photos of the actors, that's all we need. Yeah, and pretty much. Change and push the, those that style out. It's a white background with two actors in the name and the big red letters. Yeah, Grady Hendrix did a terrific chapter in his book on horror, Paperbacks from Hell, about the old horror painters who just made a life living making horror movie posters, making paperback covers, etc. Oil on canvas. So much artistry has been lost in the Canva era. It's super sad. One of the things they say is like Creature of the Black Lagoon was only really successful initially because the poster was so enticing. Yeah. That, and it's like, that's yeah, where most of that you, stuff, you just dude. don't have that anymore. Yeah. yeah. Those of us of a certain age will remember like picking up VHS covers at the movie theater and bringing, or at the uh, video store and bringing home absolutely dismal movies that were not as we, good as the cover advertised. We actually mentioned that on you, our Dreamscape, uh, Dreamscape. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Uh, yeah. Terrible. Yeah. The, the poster is awesome. Movie fucking sucks ass. Yeah, we we brought that up on our uh, anniversary episode where it was good, the birth of madness where we we talked about be, you know that yeah. was part of the conversation was the artwork man you know sometimes um, good and most of the time oh, bad yeah. <laughs> for every Evil Dead two there was some piece of shit. Uh, I guess uh, really what's left to mention is uh, so there is a story and Raj and I were talking about this before, before we recorded. It's called the Jaunt, which is a really good story. 
Um, and it was slated to be adapted by Andy Muschietti, but he did it instead. So I can't be mad at him no. for doing that because both movies were good. First one I like better than the second one, but they're still both good. If you watch them as one movie, then it actually flows a lot better than splitting them up, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, and uh, then there's a bunch of Dollar Baby adaptations that happen. There's like a list, there's like 10. Yeah, it's a, one of the coolest things Stephen King does if you're a film student, a young artist, etc., and you're doing something not for commercial work, you can call him up and option any of his stories for a dollar for your college project or your high school film club. He keeps the rights, but he'll allow you to use it for a dollar. Yep. And that's brilliant. That dude is such an amazing advocate for the arts. Like, I think he donates an average, like, $4 million across the country f- through to libraries to keep them open. Like, he wants people to read. He wants people to play music. He wants people to make fucking movies. He wants people to keep being creative and have an imagination. And I love him so much for that. Yep, and he's still out there championing all kinds of creators, yep. writers, musicians, He's still et writing. Yeah. He's still dropping books. Fucker's, like, <laughs> 78. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Holly just released. I've read two chapters of it so far. Yeah, I, I didn't even know that was coming out, so I need to need to get on that. Is Yeah. Does the, is the intro over pretty good so far? Oh, yeah. That's, Typical that's, King, yep. oversaturation, setting up the scenery kind of thing. Yeah, and, and she's, a, I love, she's so. a divisive character in Stephen King's universe. I love her. Mm. Okay, okay. Yeah, so um, that wraps it up for the Skeleton Crew. Uh, yeah, hope, thanks for listening to Nerd Out About King. Because, again, there's never a wrong time <laughs> yeah. to nerd out about Stephen King. Uh, but, you know, of course, that's not everything. Uh, but before we get to our last segment, take, take a listen to what's going on on the GUI Network. In a world with too many reboots and remakes, two men will stop at nothing to make it even worse. Join Mike the Hobbit and Tondi as they play by their own rules while pitching new takes on some of your favorite and least favorite films and TV shows. What podcast would dare to bring this upon the world? This is Smack My Pitch Up. My name is Amy Bogard. And I'm Mike the Hobbit. And we are the hosts of Deeply Upsetting, where we use our expertise to answer your most upsetting hypothetical quandaries, such as what non-wigged animal deserves wings? And what body part deserves a secret mouth? Which cryptid is the worst roommate? These questions and more that plague you will be answered on Deeply Upsetting, available anywhere you get your podcasts and at GUIPodcast.com. Coming straight from the mouths of madness, I'm Lowdown. I'm F.U. Hunter. Do you love horror? We fucking do. So this is a podcast dedicated to all things in cinematic horror. We're talking movies, television, composers, special effects artists. We're going to fucking cover it. So if you love horror, embrace the madness. In a world of blockbuster movies, there's another dimension. The dimension of schlock cinema. Join us at Beautiful Disasters on a journey into the fringe territory of B-movie abandon. We review the flicks that are forgotten or underappreciated to give them a proper place in the annals of celluloid history. I'm the Groots. F.U. Hunter. Your guides at Beautiful Disasters. Come along with us for a fun ride. May May the the schlock be with you. you. All right, so every one of those shows you're at a trailer for, you can find uh, anywhere you get your podcast, and also at GILpodcast.com. And why, if when, when you go to GILpodcast.com, make sure to go to our links tab and click our links to T-Public and get 
it's for all the merches for all the shows under the GUI universe. We've got tons of tangential Best time fun. of the year to go there too. Oh yeah, we got spooky designs spooky up, spooky all over the place. And they will be up for a little while, but definitely get them before Halloween because you know there's a sale every week. Shipping might take a couple mo- a couple weeks. Get those designs, you know, so somebody's. that way you have them in time for Halloween. You can wear them all through October. If you if you do go buy anything, make sure to tag us, tag GUI, uh, tag the madness, tag whatever show you uh, merch you bought. And uh, that way we can we'll repost it and we'll just yep. share the love and we would love to see you guys rocking some of our stuff. Now it is time for Stump the Host. All right, so I took the lead last time. Oh shit! No, I'm just I'm letting him know. So I took the lead last time. Um. Yeah, yeah, that's what happened. And yeah, nothing to say. I took the fucking lead. Oh, yeah. you want to talk some shit? I am. I took the lead. Oh, okay. I'm leading. No, but that's like very like lightweight. You talking? It shit. is. It is. Yeah, but it's very ner- direct. You're nervous. You're nervous. It's very direct. It's like, very direct. That's the lead. Direct yeah. is you no longer lead. I do. I'm saying so. back in the early days. Oh you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was my dictates. Like yeah. oh, I'm taking lead. Now it's like <laughs> I to lead, and I have yeah. nothing else to say for that. Yeah, good sir. See, I didn't say it like that. I was just like, I'm fucking winning. Yeah. Fuck you. Now riser. Gets to determine who goes first. So you have the lead and you're winning. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll start with you then. Sweet. Great. <laughs> oh, that's going to fuck me. <laughs> All right. So uh, Amber Heard is back in the news because Elon Musk made her dress up like an Overwatch character and put the uh, pictures out on X, his platform. So Amber Heard starred in John Carpenter's last movie. What was it? John Carpenter's last movie? Yep. Oh, what was his last movie? Oh, did he direct it? Yes. It wasn't Ghost of Mars, was it? Later. Mm. All right, well, that was my answer, so Hunter. I know what it is, but I can't think of the title. I'm fucked. Um, I would say The Gallows, but it's that's not it. Right. The Ward. Yeah, I knew I it was not, like I didn't know that was something. a fucking movie. Yeah, I yep. just couldn't think of what the actual All title right. was. Since we're doing flops, let's go with that for a little bit. This 2016 mega-budget horror movie about sanitariums in the Swiss Alps completely flopped. What was it? Mm. I think I feel like I feel like Stephen knows this. So. I can't remember the name. Oh, could you repeat the question? Real sure. Quick? It was a 2016 film that flopped about sanitariums in the Swiss Alps. Big-budget horror from a it, master it, of the genre. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can't remember the name. Fuck me. Wow. I am drawing a blank, too. A Cure for Wellness, directed by Gore Verbinski. Ah, it's got the- fuck. Yeah, it's- uh, be, So, because I said I can't remember it, that's why you <laughs> yeah. let it come to me. But it's got the Kid from Chronicle in it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. Fuck me. It did flop. It, it was- I heard, Yeah, I didn't watch it. I heard it was terrible. I love certain things about it and hate certain things about it. Way too long of a movie. Yeah, so, unless- While I'm answering, Hunter says he doesn't know it, he needs- He goes to him if, if I can't answer it. Okay. But yeah. Okay. Just, I'll, just I'll count that. I think you said yeah. you didn't know it, so that's yeah, why I said That's what I'm so. saying. I said I didn't know it, so. We're zero, zero right We're now. Zero so fucking zero. Great. We'll keep this moving. <sighs> we'll start putting some points on the board here. Uh-huh. We're going to do some horror movie cars. Christine. Plymouth Fury. Very good. <laughs> Sam Raimi's Evil Dead car. Oh. In all of his movies. Oh, uh, God damn it, Plymouth. Oh, uh, uh, God. Fuck you. I'm not remembering right now. I can tell you the color. Okay. I don't remember the model, but I know it's an Oldsmobile. Yeah, that's close. It's the Oldsmobile Delta 88. Delta. 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 God damn it. I, so, I mean, I got... Uh, I, I kind of was hoping I could just say the color, but fuck it. We, so. I won't count. We, uh, I mean, I got. I know it was an Oldsmobile, but 
I didn't get it right. So. All right. Still one zero. So most recently seen in uh, Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness. madness. Yeah, yeah, it was. Floating <laughs> yep. around there. Fuck yeah, Still it was. Going. And technically, it's also in the Evil Dead remake. It's, it's yep. not. It's oh, the Evil Dead remake. Yeah, yeah she sits on it. Yeah, yeah. But the Multiverse of Madness came out after that. Well, yeah, but so. I'm just saying a non Raimi. I mean, he yeah, produced yeah. it, but fair, 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 fair. And uh, all right, so it's two more questions. All right, now I'm in the lead. So two more questions. You're in the lead. The Death Proof Car. Dodge Charger. Close. I thought it was a Charger too. Fuck. It's the 1970 Chevy Nova. Oh, that's a, that's a fucking Nova. Yeah. It is. Is it? Yeah, I thought it was a Charger. <laughs> All right. Well. All go. right. Last question. Tie it up, Hunter. Come on. All right. What was Hannibal Lecter's first screen appearance? Well, I would hope it's Manhunter. It is. All right. Good. So we're tied. So we need yeah. a tiebreaker. Now, how do you want to do that? Do you want whoever raises their head first? Or sure, let's make this really, really exciting. There are two very famous actors to portray, uh, or three very famous actors to portray Hannibal Lecter, and one not so famous. Name me the one that isn't Mads Mikkelsen, Brian Cox, or uh, of course Anthony Hopkins. Can, can I say what the movie is? Well, we know it. what the movie is. Yeah, it's like yeah. the doofus who played him. Ah, <laughs> and uh, mm, fuckhead. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea. Yeah. So you need another one. All right, let's go to another one then. Uh, since we were doing adaptations earlier, and this is a Stephen King one, name this adaptation of a Joe Hill novel starring Daniel Radcliffe as a man changing. Horns. There you go. God damn it. Boom. I was trying to listen out for the rest of the question. Asshole. You didn't know it. <laughs> you didn't know You didn't know Horns was a Joe Hill property. Yeah, I did. Did you? Yeah. Oh. I damn, do it. I'm surprised. But, yeah. He got Daniel Radcliffe. Got it, like, that's the only adaptation Joe Hill has, and it's got Daniel Radcliffe in it. Yeah, plus well, it's Radcliffe. Full length movie. I mean, yeah. there's only so many Radcliffe movies. So all right. now I'm about to bitch. Yeah. All right. Came down to a fucking double tiebreaker kind of shit. So, yeah, that was, yeah. That, was, that, was, that was a good question, yeah. Mike. Thank you, man. Thanks. It was a lot of fun. Hey, all right, everyone. Hope you guys enjoyed us. I know it was a little more, you know, it was fun, but it was also dry and very informative because that's a, that's what that's what we do. Yes, that's yeah. what we do with King. Yes, you know? we like we like to give information. Yeah, out. Yeah, we like you know mm. we are men of literature. We are and yes. in, in film, so that's why this is the perfect you know it's a perfect combination. You just got your master's in fine art. <clears throat> Fuck yeah, and no debt. <laughs> <laughs> Riser, thanks for coming on. As Thank always, you. and we hope you had a blast. Oh, absolutely. We had a blast. Always have a blast having you on. We need to have you on for something else besides King. We have we had him on a franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was. Four years ago. No, 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 no. It was like yeah, we like, did Friday the Thirteenth. Friday Thirteenth. That was fun as shit. That was. It was. That was a while ago. Yeah, it was. That I didn't was, say it was recent, but it was, was two years it was, ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but um, yeah. Again, thank you, everyone, and until we talk to you again, embrace the madness. Podcast.com.